Uh, Let me pray for us as we begin, and then we will just jump right in. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be the church. Lord, we thank you for all the significance of what that means. Lord, of thinking of us belonging to you, of thinking of you saving us by sending your own son to die on the cross for our sin and rise from the dead. Father, what a gift you have given us in our own salvation, and what a gift you have given us in allowing us to be your church. So, Lord, we pray that you would equip our minds, that you would equip our hearts, and, Father, that you would open our eyes to the many ways in which you have laid out opportunities for us to walk in faithfulness with you already. And, Father, that we would enjoy you. Lord, that in all the thinking through of training and obedience and all the many words that we can use, Father, in all of that, may it stir our hearts to enjoy you all the more. Lord, that you would lead us on as a church to to treasure you above all things. That that would become so much of the DNA of who we are. And, Father, we thank you for the ways in which you are already bearing that out in our midst. Father, I thank you for my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness to you. I thank you for their commitment to follow you. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless their obedience as they walk with you in faithfulness. Father, teach us to live in a way that exalts you. And, Father, we pray that you would lead us on not only to see the ways in which you work that out in our own lives, but, Father, that you would allow us the great joy of seeing many people come to faith in Christ and be discipled as well as we walk this journey together. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his mighty and precious name that we pray. Amen. So as we begin tonight and just thinking about, you know, all of what we're doing and thinking about Equip and Engage. I know this is very different from Gather and Go, uh, and uh, it is exciting to think about that. Now, this is the book that we will be working through. Some of you all have already ordered it. Some of you all already have it. Most of you all have a copy where the cover looks a little different because this is an old edition, so don't feel like you got the wrong book. You have the right book. It looks like I have the wrong book is the, the problem here, but it is the same book. It's Don Whitney, the same guy who wrote the questions that we uh, worked through on Uh, thinking through New Year's and all of what that means together. Now, before we even get into the discussion of this book itself, and before we even go down that road, I want to make sure that as we think about who we are as a church, that we're together on this and thinking through the mission and vision of the church. So as a church, and this comes up in new members class, uh, maybe if you took the new members class years and years ago, it's going to look a little different than it did Uh, Then, maybe, probably, certainly, the vision for the church. So as you think about these terms that are used, right, vision and mission and all these things, the vision is a sort of vision statement that is meant to say, okay, what's the destination? Where is it that we are aiming? And I'll just go ahead and say that this is uh, the framework by which we have been operating. Magnify the Lord by making disciples of Jesus Christ among all peoples, right? That the aim ultimately is that Christ would be exalted, that we would magnify the Lord, that he would be worshipped for who he is, that we are doing so by making disciples, that making disciples involves reaching people with the gospel, and that making disciples involves leading people to maturity in Christ. Both of those things are a part of that uh, making disciples command. And that as we think about our target, right? Who are we aiming for and who is it that we are trying to reach? Among all peoples, right? No matter who you are, where you're from, what your background may be, what your socioeconomic status may be, whatever. I mean, you can go down the list of varieties. If you are a human being, you are a target for evangelism and discipleship. 
right? And as a church, this is how we are functioning and operating together. So that, as we think about that, that's the overarching vision. This is where the destination, this is the end to which we are walking. And in working through all the details of mission statements and everything else, mission statements inevitably wind up being incredibly wordy oftentimes and framed in such a way that they're almost impossible to remember, right? Anybody know our mission statement from whenever you went through the members class? Right. So that's not helpful. And I've gone round and round with this, you know, trying to think through, think it through in all these ways that might potentially be memorable and everything else, but I think it's most helpful to boil it down and alliterate, which is not something that I normally do, to four E's. Mission statement in, in four action terms. Exalt, edify, equip, and engage. Right? Four E's. So exalt, so that we are a, as a church. So how do we get from where we are to the destination of magnifying the Lord by making disciples of Jesus Christ among all peoples? Well, we start off with exalt. Exalt the Lord. That we live all of life to the glory of God. So that whatever your context is, whatever, maybe single, married, widowed, widower, uh, you know, wherever you fall in the map, where you might be young in your career, you might be old in your career, you might be beyond your career, you might have a second, whatever it may mean, you're looking at your life through the framework of exalting the Lord. It is living to the glory of God in every aspect of your life and how God has opened that door. So that's exalt. Then edify, so edify the saints, that we are encouraging as a church the flourishing of love and holiness, that we want people to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love their neighbor as themselves. We want them to grow and flourish in holiness of the distinctive reality of knowing Christ and that he himself is the distinction in our lives. And so that's where we are going as a church. This is sort of overarching. Exalt, edify, and then, of course, equip, right? Equip the saints for maturity and for ministry. So to train, discipline, guide believers into maturity and ministry. And then, of course, engage. Engaging our community and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we think about equip and engage, right, this sort of rolls right into all of this in a lot of ways. But it's pretty easy to remember a mission statement where it's just four words, right? Four E words. And maybe along the way it's going to be like, well, maybe you can remember two or three of them. That's at least better than the zero we got a second ago on what we had before, right? So we'll keep rolling down that uh, street together. So exalt, edify, equip, and engage. So magnify the Lord by making disciples of Jesus Christ among all peoples. That's where we're going. How are we going to get from where we are to there? Exalt. Edify, equip, engage, right? Good alliteration there. We'll see if it works. We'll ask you next time, right? So part of this equip and engage, you know, even in thinking about, okay, well, why are we starting this way? Because maybe you've already got the book, and maybe you've looked through it, and you look at the chapters, and it's, you know, spiritual disciplines for the Christian life, and you're looking at it, maybe you looked at the table of contents, and you start reading down the list, and it's like, Bible intake, prayer, worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, learning, perseverance in the disciplines. And you're thinking, okay, well, this seems sort of 
elementary, right? This feels basic to the framework of just being a Christian, which is true, right? That's really what we're aiming to do, is that if we can do well in the basics, we can do the hard things together. That if we get really well equipped in the fundamentals, then we can handle the complicated matters. This is the same way that we're always screaming at the screen watching sports, especially basketball. That's just the sport I grew up playing. And so it's like, you're, what are you doing, right? You're missing the fundamentals. If you could get the fundamentals down, you could win this game, right? The same is true within the Christian life. So oftentimes in thinking about ministry and thinking about being equipped and thinking about doing the work of the ministry, so oftentimes we make things much more complicated than they really need to be. That in being equipped as a disciple, we are equipped by the Spirit of God at work in us. He is teaching us by his word and leading us into these disciplines. So even as even thinking about, okay, we've got all these things that we need to do of reading God's word and spending time in prayer and all these various things, it's the Spirit of God at work in us teaching us, leading us, guiding us not only to know these things and live these things, but that these things turn around and shape the way in which we engage our community and our world. If we don't engage with the biblical text, we're not going to have anything to say. If we're not well-founded in the glory of Christ and in knowing him and in walking with him, if somebody asks us a question about it, we're just going to fumble all over ourselves, right? Now, Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit who testifies within us even sometimes when we're like, I don't even know what to say. And he's at work there. But that doesn't mean that we just sit on our hands and wait. We engage in the fundamentals, that this is crucial for who we are, and that doing these things well matters. Because we can, talk, we can use all the Christian words that we want to. We can use all the sort of you know, cliche terms, we can talk about discipleship and everything else, we will disciple people to the extent that we are disciples ourselves. We will teach people to become what we are. So we got to make sure that we're together on who we are as disciples as we go down this road of discipleship. Now, Lord willing, as Equip and Engage continues on, right, we'll make our way through this book. Well, it'll take most of the year in order to do so because we only have one Equip night a month. So it's going to take a while to make our way all the way through there. Unless you want to do it. Well, never mind. It'll take us a while to get all the way through there. Next year, Lord willing, things will subdivide. That we can have one track that goes through the basic spiritual disciplines of the Christian life and another track that goes into deeper discussions about things. That goes deeper into theological understanding. We can go all, all manner of different roads and making sure that we're together in walking through what it means to be a disciple of Christ. That this is a starting path. This is a way of making sure that we all start from the same point. We're all together on the gospel. We all acknowledge together where we're going, and we're walking together in this. We're not leaving anybody behind. We're walking together, leading one another, not simply to know these things, but to live these things that we may have a greater and more lasting influence upon our own families and upon our own community. Which in large part is why, as we think about Engage, and Chris is going to unpack what it looks like for Engage Nights and what specifically we're encouraging everybody to do, 
But not only in the sense of engaging our community on the engaged nights that we have once a month, but also using the other two nights during the month of engaging your family specifically in seeking to lead them not only to know Christ as Savior and Lord the first time, but to grow in a mature relationship with Christ as well. So we think about the Great Commission, right? What's the Great Commission? Anybody want to? Yes. Yes, thank you. Right? We know that. We can just throw that out there. We're we're meant to make disciples. Reach people with the gospel. Disciple them in the faith. Teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Now, it's interesting even thinking about that terminology, even at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. That as Jesus is saying that, not only is it, okay, you're made a disciple through faith in Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected, right? You're baptized, so your whole life is identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You're taught to observe all the things that he has commanded us. Now, it's interesting that Jesus would say that, isn't it? Because what did Jesus say about obeying his commands? What did he say in John 14, 15? If you love me, you will do what I say. So in making disciples, in training people in discipleship, it's not just saying, hey, we've got a bunch of things to tell you and a bunch of things that you have to do. That in these doing of these things, you're actually expressing your love for Christ. He's saying, go teach people. Go reach people with the gospel and then go teach them how to live their lives as an expression of love to me. And just in case this mission is too overwhelming for you, because it is for all of us, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. What an amazing promise that is, and we even saw that this morning in uh, the book of Haggai. So it's helpful to think about that, but not only that in thinking about the Great Commission, but in thinking about the intent of all of this, of, of all discipleship, that not only are we aiming to see people come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, but we are aiming, as we are told in Colossians chapter 1, Him we proclaim, speaking of Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The aim is not simply getting in the door. We have a biblical warrant here that the aim is ultimately to lead people to maturity. You think about maturity in physiological terms. Maturity in the sense of able to reproduce, right? To keep going, multiply. Interesting how we see this play itself out. That's how we are meant to be as disciples. And that as we seek to build a foundational level of just understanding and walking in the spiritual disciplines of life, that we are doing so with the intent, not simply that it would shape our own lives, but that in shaping our own lives, we would be effective for the greater glory of Christ and for his kingdom. Which is why the first chapter, which you will... So here's the plan. For the next... Until next month, what I would ultimately like for you to do is to read the first chapter, which is really an introduction talks about the whole point of all of this for the purpose of godliness, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But also in thinking through what it looks like to study God's word. Scripture intake is how he describes it in the terms of, uh, of the way he's framed the book. That we're beginning with the end in mind. 
And he quote, he uses the really the latter half of one verse in First Timothy chapter four, verse seven, uh, and following, where he says this. Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That in shaping our lives and walking in the spiritual disciplines of being equipped, part of the point is that for the purpose of godliness. What is godliness? We use all these words and we see them all the time. What is it? Okay, yes, yeah, seeing him as, you know, exalting him as supreme, of seeing, putting him first. Yeah, being like him, right? Being godly. Him shaping our lives, being ever increasingly more like Christ. And so we think about that in terms of our own personal transformation, of thinking about how holiness should be at work as a defining characteristic in our own lives. We talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning in Colossians chapter 3, talking about our identity in Christ, of who we are in Christ, shaping what we do. That we're not just rattling off a list of things to do. It's not just a a rote list of commands. It's like, here's all the stuff to do. Here's your to-do list for the week. Here's all the things to check off and put on the side of your fridge. And once you do that, hey, great, good job. No, that how we live, what we do, functions as a result of who we are, of who we are in Christ. Our being shapes our doing. That we always acknowledge this and that we are walking together in this with this intent and with this purpose. Be holy for I am holy. Right? That's a specific command from Leviticus 19, but it's repeated in 1 Peter. It's crucial for us, isn't it? Now, when you start connecting it up, it's like, okay, well, we're talking about being equipped for the purpose of godliness, and you talk about personal transformation. Does that matter as we think about engaging our own community? Does holiness and godliness matter? Should there be a distinction? Should there be a distinction where people can look and say, well, there's something different there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we need that sort of distinction. We need it to be clear and that the distinction is not us. It's not our, our own sort of will and wits that has changed us. It's Christ. Our identity is Christ. We are alive in Christ. Our, you know, we've been baptized into Christ. We are disciples of Christ. All of this is about exalting him and acknowledging him and walking in him. And so godly, both in the sense of personal transformation, which has a profound impact on our own, you know, evangelism and missions and everything else. There's a quote from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, which many of you are probably familiar with Martin Lloyd-Jones. He wrote this back in 1972 in talking about uh, Godliness and the distinction and holiness and the distinction within the church. He said this, Our Lord attracted sinners because he was different. They drew near to him because they felt that there was something different about him. This idea that you are going to win people to the Christian faith by showing them that after all you are remarkably like them is theologically and psychologically a profound blunder. So the distinction is, and it's not for us to walk around and be like, See how different we are? It's not for us to swagger in. It's for us to walk in. 
so that we can walk into the same trenches of life where we find other people and that there can be a, a, a clear distinction between how some people walk through a difficult diagnosis and how a believer walks through a, di- a difficult diagnosis. This is down in the trenches of life. Can it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of various kinds? Why? Has God just chucked us into that? No. But for an unbeliever, that's how they see it. That's how they feel it. You see the difference? And all of a sudden, all of life becomes a point of outreach. That how he equips us leads us right directly into engaging, and not in a way that's formulaic, and not in a way that just says, hey, go walk across the street and knock on somebody's door that you've never met before. Because I know for all of us, that's an overwhelming experience. We did that for the past year. And for a lot of us, it's like, what are we supposed to say here? And you spend the first five minutes trying to unpack, like, what are you doing here? And, of course, it it was easiest over here because it's like, hey, we're from that big place that casts a shadow over your house, right? But other than that, it was quite interesting at times. Are there people in all of our lives that need to know Christ? We ever go out to eat? You ever see people that need to know Christ? You ever have an interaction at the grocery store who need to know Christ? You know, brothers and sisters in Christ who just need some encouragement? Who just need to know somebody hasn't forgotten about them? Who just need somebody to show up and pray for them? Who just need somebody to show up and say, hey, I'm not here to give you advice. I'm here to listen to what you have to say. And if you want my opinion, I'll give it. But until you ask for it, I'm just here. We need that? Is there a distinction there? It's helpful, isn't it? See, Lord willing, this is going to lead us to a point where ministry doesn't become the sort of formulate thing that we just put on the calendar and we do a couple of times a month. Ministry is our lives. We're disciples of Jesus. We follow him. We follow him wherever he leads us and wherever he has placed us. And so all of life becomes this opportunity to display the distinction that is Christ in our lives. So not only godly in the sense of personal transformation, but godly in the sense of the mission of God, right? That we want to be like him as he seeks and saves the lost, as he leads his children to maturity. We want to be like him in that way, of seeing people reconciled to him through faith in Christ, of of growing and maturing and guiding. And so as we think about this, even before we move into all of, the, all of the discussion about all the different disciplines and all of what that looks like and unpacking all of that. That we could even at this moment now have some takeaway here of thinking through it in our own lives. Who are you ultimately aiming to be like? I hope that's the case, yes. Can you see that on, on display? And do we see that even on display when we fail? I'm not just talking about all the victory moments that we have when it's like, hey, I did this really well. What about in the moments when you fail, when things come out of your mouth? Maybe it's just me. When things come out of your mouth around your children, and you're like, I really need to go apologize for that. Why would there be forgiveness, Dad? Because grace. Because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Of looking at even our failures as opportunities for gospel interaction. Because we're not perfect, but we are disciples. There is conviction, and there is transformation, and there is hope, and God be praised. There is grace. There is love, and there is hope. 
And it ought to be on display in every interaction that we have with all of the people that God has placed in our lives. It's amazing to think of how God has done all of this. So we should think in our own minds now, okay, not only who are we seeking to become more like, how can we use this as a conversation starter? I mean, you can think about it with kids and you start talking about heroes, right? You start talking about, you know, I I could ask one of our, I could ask Sam and there's no telling what he might say. He might say Blippi or, you know, I don't know. If y'all aren't familiar with Blippi, I'll invite you to talk to Chris because he introduced it to our family and we're forever thankful. So, yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's interesting even using that as a conversation starter. And then, you know, we think about this, how can you live the distinction of Christ in your own life, in your own words, in the way in which we speak, in the way in which we just do life, in the ways in which we shape our worldview, in our suffering, and in our difficulty. And that we're ultimately walking down this road, not simply to learn things, but to know Christ and make him known. This is not just another class. This is not just another book to read through and say, hey, I remember that study and put it on your shelf. This is meant to shape our lives. It's different. Intentionally so. Ultimately, that we would be faithful to the text that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians, and talking about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that God has given us these different offices within the church, ultimately to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can we say, are we there yet? No. So is there work left to be done? Yes. Is this a good place to start? Yes, it is. This is not meant as just another class. This is meant as a way in which God is teaching us, growing us, guiding us, and leading us to be more effective for his glory and for his kingdom. So when you think about these different, you know, as you think about even building patterns of biblical discipleship into regular life, of leveraging all of life for the glory of Christ, and that I think there is some concern, and maybe you haven't said it out loud, and maybe it's just me thinking about it because this is the way I would think about it. Because when you read a book like this, and then you come to a, you know, something like this, and you want to talk about it, like, is this just going to be remedial sort of thing, where you just sort of regurgitate what I just read? No, it's not. So you, the intent is that you would read and glean something from it, but what we're going to talk about in the Equip Nights is, is not going to be, oftentimes it's not even going to be directly from the book, although it will cover the same topic. This is not meant to be like, okay, book club. This is not a book club. Okay, so I hope that alleviates any ideas that may be out there, that we're just going to sort of rehash the notions that you already read and be like, okay, didn't I just read this? Why is he just repeating everything I already know? So when we talk about things like Scripture, We talk about being hungry for God's word, of feasting upon God's word, and having our lives shaped around that. One of the things that we will talk about is really thinking through the ways, 
And again, this sort of references back to the Puritans that I made reference to this morning, of thinking through in an organized way how God shapes our affections for his glory, that our lives are lived on the basis of certain affections, and that through the truth that is given to us, that shapes what we know, that then shapes what we desire, that then shapes how we live. He's not going to cover all of that in here, but we're going to learn about that. You think about all of what it means to be involved in prayer and thinking about, you know, every time the discipline of prayer comes up, inevitably in my own mind, I just go to that old song that doesn't get sung a whole lot, Sweet Hour of Prayer, right? You familiar with that one? And then every time you think Sweet Hour of Prayer, you're like, when was the last time I prayed for an hour? Right? But I, years ago, there was some, a friend in Christ who uh, showed me which it was really just 12 prayer points to work through. And that in so doing, if you just pray for five minutes, which even five minutes, you don't think it's a long time, but it's a long time if you're trying to time it. But pray for five minutes for 12 different, 12 different aspects. And I'm talking about adoration, thankfulness. So you're just working down through, Lord, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. And I'll, I'll show it to you later. Maybe I'll show it to you that night. Sam's prayer where he he gives, it's the sweetest thing in the world. He thanks God for M&M's and, I forget, the cookies and something else. Yeah, that's right. And uh, anyway, it's just like, thank you, like standing up on his bed shouting. It's the sweetest thing in the world. That's how we should pray, right? Of living in the discipline that it's not, and so in thinking about the discipline of prayer, Does it matter in the ways in which we're able to equip with our community and how we pray? If you ask somebody at a restaurant, hey, do you have anything that I can pray for you about? Almost without exception. There are a few times where people will be like, don't bother. By and large, most people will be like, yeah, actually. Why? Because it's an expression of care. Is that an open door for a gospel opportunity? Yes. And then all of a sudden, this very simple discipline of, hey, we're about to eat. We're going to pray anyway. You want to sit down? Sure. Then it, we can get together as small groups. We can go to Waffle House. Go to Los Hermanos. Go to any number of other places. I'm done advertising, right? Matters. Worship. Worship corporately. Worship individually. Worship as families. And you think about family worship, and I think a lot of times when we talk about family worship, I think for a lot of people it's like, what are you talking about? Because you think somebody's going to have a pulpit inside your living room, and somebody's going to stand up with a hymn book and just start going at it, and then it's going to be, you know, somebody's going to stand up and and you're like, there's no way that's going to happen in my house. Is that is that what we're talking about when we talk about family worship? No. It's engaging your family with the basic spiritual disciplines. Pray with them. Pray for the lost with them. Pray for their salvation while they're sitting there with you. Share Christ with them. Tell them what you read in God's Word. Tell them what God has been teaching you in God's Word. Sing with them. Do songs matter? Do songs connect? We sing songs about everything else. I mean, we can go down the list of all the different, you know, every parent inevitably unpacks their childhood 
upon their, I mean, unpacks their sort of adolescence and their musical preferences upon their children. And it just comes out, right? I can remember, and I'm going to embarrass my mom a little bit with this one. She's back there, so I, anyway. I can remember as a kid, right? I would be getting in the car, and she would sing this song to me. Hop on the bus, Gus. Right? You know this song? How's it go? Hop on the bus, Gus. Make a new plan, Stan. No need to be coy, Roy. You know what I'm talking about? And I was like, this is a great song. It's real catchy, whatever else. I remember I, it wasn't until I was in college, and I was listening to the radio. And I'm going down the road, and I hear the song. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. My mom used to sing this to me. And then the DJ gets on there, and they're like, that was 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover by... And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? So immediately, I'm, i got to call my mom about this one. What were you doing? It's a sweet song. It's a sweet memory. It's a funny story. But the songs connect. I still remember that. I remember I was a little boy. But that's not the only song she taught me. I remember as, as a little boy, and I mentioned this on Wednesday night to a few people. We were a part of a church plant. Where our, we left where we were already at church, and uh, my old, older brother and sister stayed where they were because they were real engaged with the youth group, and we were meeting in a preschool in, uh, down the road trying to reach you know, a different aspect of the community. And so I'm there, and I think I was one of maybe two or three kids that were there, and my mom got roped into being the piano player. And one of the songs that we sang just about every Sunday was Majesty. And so that song just got worked into, I mean, I can remember her sitting in the dining room, practicing it on the keyboard, and then we would have to tote the keyboard off to church and everything else. And I just remember how deeply wound into my life that song was. Every time I got scared as a child, that's the song I sang. Every time I didn't know what was around the corner, literally and spiritually and everything else, that's the song I always came back to. It was not something where it was like, hey, son, come into the, into the dining room and I'm going to teach you majesty. Sit down and listen, right? It was just worked into the DNA of our family. Is that family worship? See the difference? It's better, isn't it? Makes a difference. It's powerful. So whether we're thinking about, you know, evangelism, the outflow of our affections of grace. And I was thinking about it this morning in a a quote from Charles Spurgeon as he thinks about and talks about evangelism. This is what he said. He said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about. Like, if they're going to go, they're going to go with us holding on to them. Pleading the gospel with them. That sort of fire in our hearts. That sort of fire in our hearts is not going to come from a class. That sort of fire in our hearts is going to come from walking with Christ. Of being amazed at his glory and grace that he would save a wretch like me. 
that he would come and seek and save the lost, and that we would be so intent and so focused in that way that our, our evangelism would just be an overflow of the grace that God has worked into our own hearts that we don't deserve? Whereas Adrian Rogers famously used to call evangelism, it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's helpful. You think about some of the other disciplines, right? Serving, of serving in a way that's, that is without accolades. So many of you are so good at this and serving in so, so many faithful ways and thinking through all of what that looks like, not only as a way of exalting Christ, but as a way of engaging the community. Can we serve people and let that be an open door for the gospel? Anybody ever been a, a part of disaster relief in any way? What happens when you go and you do something like that? If you go and rebuild somebody's house, are they eager to listen to what you have to say? Yes. All this serving opens up huge doors. So not only serving within the church and serving to meet needs within the church, but serving our own community and seeing that happen. Thinking of stewardship and all the things that God has provided us and all the ways that he has, you know, money included, but thinking of stewardship of our time, thinking of stewardship of our, you know, our intellect and our, the stewardship of our own uh, talents and skills and everything else. Are you going to think about fasting? Now, this is a funny one, right? You talk about fasting, but it's interesting whenever you talk about fasting, because if you're actually fasting the way in which Jesus called us to fast, nobody would know anyway. So every time we have this conversation about fasting, like, well, you could doubt that everyone is fasting, but you really don't know. So they very well may be fasting, you just don't know, which would be a biblical thing, right? So encouraging one another to do that. Interestingly enough, if you go back in church history, and of course I'm not John Wesley's biggest fan by any stretch of the imagination, but interestingly enough, in church history, he would not allow anyone to be ordained who didn't fast at least twice a week. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's not. Is it a useful discipline? And I'm not talking about intermittent fasting so that you can lose some belly fat either. I'm talking about fasting for the glory of Christ. Of leveraging the hunger physically to lead us to worship biblically. Not only fasting, silence and solitude, meditating on God's Word, meditating on Scripture, thinking about what that means, right? Justin Peters famously said, if you want to hear God's voice, read the Bible. If you want to hear it audibly, read it out loud. It's good, right? It's a helpful point of clarity for us. Thinking about journaling and learning. Think, you know, we read that in the, you know, maybe the table of contents. You're like, what is that? You know, journaling? Does this guy know anything about me? What is that about? It's about remembering, about writing things down. Writing down our failures and the ways in which God's grace has been sufficient for our failures. Writing down our victories because we know that our victories ultimately belong to him. And that when you write these things down, all the things that you write down get passed on from generation to generation. I didn't have a whole lot of concern about what my dad wrote in books until he died. But when he was gone and I started rifling through all of his books, I'm like, wow, there's a lot here. Going back and reading through his old Sunday school lessons. 
Why? He's, st- he's still teaching. Many of us may have been influenced. I mean, we, we talk about things in church history, even stories like we, we heard Tim tell today, right? That it's amazing how God uses these things down the road. And that, you know, writing things down physically in a way that's not going to get deleted if your Twitter account ever goes sideways or whatever, it's going to be helpful for the next generation so that we can remember and so that people can look at us and be like, they're not just all put together on the outside. That's a real human being. That we can make heroes out of one another, and we can make heroes out of people that we've known in the past and everything else, but ultimately we have to recognize they're a sinner saved by grace. And we need those stories. And I want my children to know those stories. And I want my grandchildren to know those stories. And of persevering in those disciplines that were not called to an act of obedience, but a life of obedience. That in teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, it was not, hey, obey once and then you're good. It was that our life was shaped by loving Christ. That we would aim in that way. This is where we're going. This is the whole point of equip and engage. Not another class, not something else to do, not a program, but it's about shaping our lives around walking with Christ and being a disciple, that in being a disciple of Christ, it would shape our living as disciples of Christ in the midst of the community, in the context, wherever you find yourself. Some of y'all live right around the corner. Some of y'all don't. Some of you all have kids. Some of you all don't. Some of you all have grandchildren. Some of us don't. God has placed you where you are. As a disciple of Christ. To walk with him. And to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we're not looking for opportunities of ministry. We're not looking for doors to knock on. The doors are already there. The people are already there. We know their names and their faces. They're all around us. We can walk into restaurants. Maybe we don't know all the people. We probably don't. I mean, you can walk into the restaurants across the street, sit on a Chick-fil-A, go to whatever else. We can have all manner of conversations with people there. It's in the daily patterns of how we live our lives and seeing that all of this is for the glory of Christ. This is not about learning a book or doing a study, or getting, even, even down to, it's not simply about getting the fundamentals of being a disciple of Christ down. This is about shaping our lives to leverage the impact of our life for the glory of Christ, of making the best use of time that God has given us. Because time is short. The more days we have, the more we recognize that. It's fleeting. So let's invest in being equipped that we would then be engaged and may Christ be honored and glorified and magnified as we walk in faithfulness with him. All right? So I think that's about where I'm going to wind it up. I'll stay for a few more minutes while Chris...
Thank you, Pastor. Great. As TJ was just sharing, one of the, uh, this thought came to my mind from years and years ago, uh, probably uh, 20 plus years ago now. And um, it was, and some of you guys are probably familiar with this if you've grown up in the Baptist church in the last 20 or 30 years, but the old Henry Blackaby uh, study, Experiencing God. And one of the two takeaways I had uh, from Blackaby all those years ago as a new believer was this. Uh, he said that God is always at work around you. Join him in what he's doing. And, um, and that has just stuck with me through the years. And so I'm excited about what God's doing in our church. Uh, it, you're right, it is challenging uh, dropping into neighborhoods and cold calling and knocking on doors, not knowing what kind of response uh, you're going to get. I remember one of the last times we went out there, the folks had on their, on their front porch by the door a sign, and I don't remember. I know Alan Lowe was with me that day, and I can't remember who else, but, but uh, it said, you know, we, we don't, we've already bought this, we bought this, we don't want religion, um, yada, yada, yada. Um, so basically, get off my lawn, right? And, uh, and it's challenging, and it's hard, and oftentimes we're used to uh, thinking programmatically about ministry, right? And, uh, and we have wonderful programs within the church uh, where ministry is done and fruitful ministry is done. But this is exciting because uh, as pastor was just uh, articulating for us, it's in the natural with- rhythms of life that God enables us to glorify him and to live for him and to shine the gospel uh, forth for him. And so, you know, just thinking again about that phrase that God is always at work around us, that we ought to look and to see when and where and how we can join him in what he is doing. Uh, Gives so much uh, freedom, right, to uh, doing the work of the gospel and sharing our faith uh, with our neighbors and our friends and our family members and, and so many others. And so uh, most of you got uh, one of these little sheets uh, when you came in. I, I've got maybe one more. Um, if you didn't get one, I'll make sure you get it on your way out. Um, and I'll print some more off and have them at our kiosks on Sundays and things like that. So they'll be available to you um, if you didn't get one tonight. But one of the things that, that as we kind of look at uh, these things, just some preliminary uh, recommendations or suggestions. Uh, one of the things I tell my kids, just thinking about spiritual disciplines and, uh, you know, preparing to, you know, read God's word. Uh, I tell this to our students and, and I, you know, my kids here at home that, uh, you know, before, when we sit down to be with the Lord, uh, to pray uh, and, and to ask God to, to come and be a part and to, you know, open up our hearts. If we're opening God's word, uh, to open our hearts, help us to understand his word, to see him, to know him, to um, uh, fellowship with him, that he would reveal himself to us. And so in everything, it doesn't hurt to start with prayer, does it? And so as we think about living, and again, here's, you know, it's just one of the, the buzzwords, but missionally or intentionally uh, our lives for uh, the glory of God and for the furtherance of his kingdom, that we would be people of prayer, that we would go before the Lord and, uh, and hear from him, and uh, that God's heart would become our heart, 
you know, just in thinking about having a passion and a burden. Uh, I love that Spurgeon quote. Uh, it's fantastic. And, and not only is it fantastic, but it's convicting, isn't it? Uh, that, that our heart would become like God's heart. You know, if, if I'm honest, my heart's not as broken for lost people as I would like for it to be, right? That, that, that the things that break his heart would break my heart, right? That the things that, that matter to him would, would matter to me. And so as we pray and seek the Lord, God be, begins to do that. And so pray and ask God to give you a fruitful ministry and not just on those engaged Sundays, Right, every day of our lives, that we would be praying and asking God to show us where he's at work, that we can join him in what he's doing. And what we're going to find is this. God is at work in our homes. God's at work in our families. God's at work in the lives of your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends. And if you're a student, uh, those peers of yours that ride the bus with you and sit in class uh, with you. Uh, God's at work in, uh, in the world all around us. And so pray and seek and ask God to help us to be fruitful and engaging ministry. You know, and as, as Pastor already mentioned, that, that in doing so, that we would consider just the normal rhythms and patterns of our lives. I bet right now we could even share, couldn't we? If we were to go around this room, we could you could give names of people that you know in your life, even now, that you would say, man, I want to minister to that person. I want to love that person. I want to share the gospel uh, with that person. Uh, even, even in thinking about this, I think about our neighbors. Uh, we have uh, Catholic neighbors on one side and Hindu neighbors on the other side. And um, God has given us incredible opportunities to to interact with them and love them and care for them and uh, mow each other's lawn and fix each other's weed eaters and break each other's weed eaters. That has happened, um, you know, and just all sorts of, of ways. Uh, my mother-in-law, in fact, just the other day, she ordered some groceries. Uh, my, my in-laws live, in our, live with us. And if you don't know that, and, and she ordered, uh, she had a Walmart order. If you, if you guys do Walmart orders and they deliver the groceries to your house, well, they take a picture and email it to you. And it was a, it was a picture of the, the door in the patio of our neighbor's house. And so she said, can you help me go over to Mohan's house and, and grab the groceries? And so, you know, we walked over there and the groceries were gone. They weren't there. And so I started calling Mohan and you know, trying to reach out to, you know, and, and it took several minutes to find out. He, he you know, and it's funny because when you order the groceries, they put your name on this big sticker on the bag and all, all of your things, right? He took them into his house and put them away. And, uh, and it was just hilarious, you know, so we were in his kitchen taking things out of the pantry and, you know, doing all of these things, taking, great, you know, you never know how God is going, what kind of doors the Lord's going to open up, Right. Um, and so to be mindful of that and praying and seeking uh, and just, again, just those normal patterns of life uh, that we go through, interacting with our, our neighbors. We, we have a list of suggested ideas here that uh, we won't necessarily take the time to read through all of them. Uh, you know, this is just a short list. And, and here's what I would bet. I would imagine y'all have more good ideas on how to engage people 
with the gospel. Um, individually, right, uh, you know, whether it's interacting with neighbors or coworkers as a family, uh, as small groups or, or Sunday school classes. I know, you know, there, some Sunday school classes have uh, house parties and invite lost friends uh, to those. I've been to some of those with, with some of you guys before. And uh, just a wonderful time of fellowship and interaction and, and opportunities to share the gospel um, with one another and, and other people as well. And so we see that here, you know, that third bullet point. Do ministry together, partner together with brothers and sisters from uh, the church. And that, that God has called us to do that. Uh, and that, that uh, you know, together... Uh, what a wonderful time and a wonderful way to, to do ministry and to, to serve other people. I'll tell you, we started our Discover Lilburn, our new members uh, class this morning, and uh, we were in there, and, and today was just gospel. Uh, we did a, you know, shared what the, just nailing down the gospel, but towards the end of class, we went around and, and just had folks share their testimony of faith in Christ and what God is doing. And it was so encouraging to hear person after person after person, you know, talk about wanting to to serve the Lord and do ministry, wanting to reach lost people with the gospel. Uh, You know, someone talked about serving uh, in their previous church that they've been a member at for nearly 30 years for the last 26 plus years. And I marvel at that and I rejoice in that because God is doing that. God is the one, right? Christ is the one who, who shines light into our darkened hearts. He's the one who gives a dead heart new life and drives away the old passions and gives us a, a new purpose for living. And so as we think about uh, doing ministry, not only you know, uh, in, the, in the, the, the rhythms of our, our daily life, but also together, living out the purpose of fulfilling the the great commission that we were talking about earlier. Um, and then lastly, we say here, be intentional um, that this is a purposeful time of doing ministry. Here's, here's the point. We've had, you know, I've been a part of small groups. We've hosted small groups in our home, and uh, it so easily can just turn into dinner and football, right, or social hour. Um, and so, you know, as we think about engaging in ministry, doing so intentionally, that, that we're extremely purposeful um, in what we're doing. And, and that even begins going all the way back to prayer and asking the Lord, God, how? God, what? What, what do I do? What do we do? You know, where, where do we do it? Um, you know, and so what a wonderful opportunity we have. You know, I think about Sunday school classes. Uh, there's so many uh, neighborhoods represented, right, in, in Sunday school classes. I mean, I, I look over here and I see Alan and Jack and uh, Kenny. You guys are all in the same Sunday school class, right, I believe. And uh, that's, uh, well, uh, two of you guys live really close to each other. Uh, but, you know, that's three different areas and three different sets of neighbors and three different opportunities, right? And so just thinking about even as a Sunday school class, thinking about how you can strategically impact your neighbors with the gospel. You guys could have a different house party every other month, or you know, and in reaching and, and, and in influencing 
different neighbors with the gospel. And so hopefully you guys have maybe taken a moment to kind of look through these. Um, I'll just say a couple, but I would love to hear thoughts that y'all might have or perhaps things you've done even that you say this this was fruitful this was meaningful this was something that that the lord used and helped you know us or a group of us reach someone with the gospel so i'd love to give you guys an opportunity in just a moment uh to share uh those but just a few uh you know plan a visit with a family who recently attended lilburn first baptist church you say well how in the world would we know so here's what we're going to do uh, Debbie Ivy has put together uh, for me a list of, and there's a few opportunities here. The, the first one is this, a list of folks who can't come to church. We have a number of, of shut-ins in, in, in our church family that cannot get out. They can't come and fellowship regularly um, or attend a Sunday morning service or a, a Bible study. And so we have a list of folks. Perhaps that's what you do one Sunday, uh, on one engaged Sunday, that you or your family or, excuse me, a few people from your Sunday school class, you go and, and visit and minister and care for uh, this person. We, we'll have a list of, of people for you. Um, another opportunity is, uh, you know, we have been on a regular basis um, having, you know, one to two uh, individuals or families come and visit our church on a Sunday morning uh, that, that we will make available to you uh, that their information so you can go and visit them and care for them and love on them and, and minister to them. Um, it's just, those are just some ways. Uh, you know, we're going to figure out how to uh, regularly, you know, know who is in the hospital. Maybe you would want to go and love someone that's currently in the hospital. And so doing ministry um, in all kinds kinds of ways. Um, Pastor mentioned going to a local restaurant and, and how to uh, utilize that for uh, the gospel. And so there's, there's all kinds of ways. How many of you guys like coffee? I heard, I heard TJ say recently, any respectable human being enjoys coffee, right? Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I think that's probably true. And so, so why not take someone out uh, to have a cup of coffee or invite someone over to your house? Hannah has a beverage, a hot beverage. I'm sure that's probably tea this late at night. It's not, not coffee. Uh, you know, we enjoy those sorts of things, right? And so invite someone over to, just to enjoy those, uh, just the things that we would normally be enjoying anyway. Right, it's normal at our house for us to put some coffee on at five o'clock in the afternoon, and have someone over and and sit down and, and enjoy that. So, just a lot of different. Let me ask you guys: Is there something that you remember doing, or you can think of that was fruitful and useful that you would say, "Yeah, we've done something like that before"? I'd love to hear hear what it is. Yes.
Yeah. Yeah. How wonderful. And you're right, that's relatively easy, isn't it, to, to, to pick up the phone and make a phone call. And, and you're right, you know, how often, thank you for doing that, by the way. Praise, praise God that that's a great ministry for you to have. Uh, you know, oftentimes we think, we may think about making a phone call or writing a card, and I have to be the first to admit, I'll often fall through on that, you know? And so a phone call goes a long way just to, to have that touch point, to show someone that, hey, there is someone that is thinking about me or who loves me or who cares for me. And it's a great opportunity to remind them Christ does, right? That most definitely. Any other ideas? Yes, ma'am. Computer is a great tool if you're careful <clears throat> for messaging a friend or a relative or somebody, whoever, um, yeah. just keeping in touch with them and making sure they're okay and doing well or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Utilizing a technology, right, that we have that God's blessed us with uh, for good purposes and, and kingdom purposes. Yep. Yes. I see your hand now. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Were you doing that earlier? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sorry. My lazy eye must have been rolled up in my head, and I didn't, didn't see your hand. My bad. I a Do not Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you guys uh, for sharing those. And yeah, the snail mail still works, right? That's right. And don't we love getting cards in the mail sometimes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I'll say some of y'all have have sent cards and notes in the mail to my children. And not only is it meaningful to them, I rejoice uh, as a parent. I, it's, it's just, a, you know, it's, it's a blessing from the Lord, you know, to know that, that um, we're, again, the body of Christ, unified together uh, for the purpose of, of knowing and glorifying Jesus. Um, and... Just extending yourself in that way to minister um, is a, just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. So I'm going to ask you guys to turn the page over. Um, we're going to uh, just kind of go over some of these suggestions. Um, as I, just, I was just brainstorming this past week, and just, you know, we put some of these things down. But, um, and again, all of this, I mean, we're, we're trusting Christ in all of this. We're praying. We're seeking uh, the Lord. Um, but have fun. Be creative. You know, I mean, one of the things I look forward uh, just doing with my family is, is taking them to the playground and going to the park and having fun and laughing and using that as a way to connect with, with people uh, here in our uh, community. Uh, be conversational and ask good questions. Um, and Upon asking good questions, listen well. And I know this is true. People love to talk about themselves, right? We love to do that. And, uh, and so as people are talking about themselves, listen. 
Listen intently, because as they're talking, you're going to gather clues about who they are, you know, how God might, may or may not be working in their lives, or how they need God to work in their lives, or how you may be able to go and pray for them then, right? And so even, even in that moment, whether it's in a restaurant or on the playground or at a neighbor's door um, or around, you know, sitting, uh, having coffee, taking that moment and that time to pray, um, inviting God into that conversation and sharing the gospel with people. Here's one, be courageous. How many of you just, you don't have to show your hands. It's a fearful thing, isn't it? To, for, for many of us, myself included, uh, to share the gospel at times, right? Because we don't know uh, how people will receive. We just don't know. Now, sometimes we don't even know what to say. Sometimes we don't know how people are going to respond. Uh, and it can be intimidating. And, and there's a, you know, there can be times of trepidation and fear in, in doing that. But that we would remember... Uh, Paul's words to young Timothy that, that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, right? But one of power and love and a sound mind. And, and, and as TJ was preaching this morning, that, that God is with us. The God who made the universe and upholds it by the power of His Word, He is with us. What should we fear? We really should fear Nothing. And so ask God to help you to be courageous. Even in the midst of the conversation, we need to ask God to help us. And he will. He will help us in the midst of that. Be friendly. Develop friendships, not projects. And you may say, what do you mean by that? I've been guilty of this in the past. Right, that, that I would intentionally just kind of view a relationship or a person and just think of them as, man, I want to see them saved. And, and not taking the time or having the motivation of genuinely loving for them, caring for them, um, enjoying their relationship and the, the friendship that, that we would have together. And so just as Christ has been a friend to us, uh, let's be a genuine uh, friend to those uh, that God brings into our lives. So planning ahead, being deliberate, right? Asking God for open doors, um, seeking ways to connect our interactions and conversations back to uh, the gospel. Um, and uh, being prepared. And so I want you to know this. We, and, and this is typically the case, I don't know if you know this or not, but on any of our kiosks on the welcome table in the back, you know, we have different tables in the back. Um, we have our You Belong Here cards available, right, on any given Sunday and on your way in or on your way out. Uh, you can pick up You Belong Here cards. Uh, we have those next-gen cards on one little, it's like a little business card. On one side, it has um, uh, children's ministry information. On the other side, it has student ministry information with QR codes that people can just scan and, and be taken right to our website and learn more. Um, and so I would encourage you to have some of those on hand. Keep some of those in your car uh, or maybe in your purse um, if you carry a purse. 
you know, just in your pocket, in your wallet, whatever the case may be, so that you're prepared. Um, and it just reminds me of being prepared in season and out of season, right, to, to give a reason for the hope that we have. And that's just one tool uh, to be able to, to help us to do that. And so those are just a few, a few suggestions. Um, and then I won't take the time to, to go over uh, that last page, Principles for Success. You guys can, can kind of read that on your own. Um, those are just eight principles that um, are in, in a, a book uh, regarding evangelism that um, I have read some in the past and thought, you know, those are kind of helpful. And so I just thought I would share those um, with you guys so you can read those uh, on your own. But um, <clears throat> I am very, very excited about what God is doing. And so, you know, we are, again, the first and the third Sunday of each month. The third Sunday is our equip time, and, and our first Sunday will be, uh, you know, our time of engagement. And so um, I'm excited about what God is, not only what he's going to do, but what he's already doing. And, um, and just praise God um, for what he's doing already. And so um, with that, uh, before we close, do you, is there any questions, any, any thoughts? If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer and, and, uh, and praise, praise him. Heavenly Father, uh, God, you are so good. You are so, so good. Father, I'm reminded of that. I've been reminded of that a a number of times this week, God. Just in hearing stories of how you're working in the lives and the hearts of people. Uh, Father, uh, watching you at work, um, seeing you do things that only you can do. And uh, Father, I know that if that's true for me, that's true for every one of us around here collectively. And so we just want to thank you, God and rejoice in what you're doing. Father, we do thank you so much for Christ. We thank you that uh, you demonstrated your love for us, that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us, that we may know you. So, Father, thank you for for the life that you give us. Father, thank you for the purpose that you give us. Um, God, that you take our lives, that that our lives are being spent for self, Lord. either to climb the corporate ladder or to build a retirement or to find pleasure in this world or uh, all number of things, God. And you redeemed us. You've loved us. And God, you've given us a new life and a new heart with, a new, with new desires and a new purpose. And so we thank you for that, God. And Father, we thank you that Not only that, but you have invited us to join you in what you're doing. Father, as your word says, you have made us ministers of reconciliation now that we've been reconciled to you. And so, Father, we pray that that you would help us to do that. Lord, every day of our lives, Father, whether we are at home with our families, Father, whether we are at work, uh, Father, whether we are simply going to the supermarket, or going to the park, that all of our lives, God, would be spent glorifying Christ and sharing the gospel of Christ. Father, that we would find great enjoyment of that. Father, I thank you for uh, just the 
conviction that you bring. And Father, I just want to ask you now um, for myself and for, for your body here, God, that you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart. God, that you would help us to love the things that you love. God, that you would help us to care for the people that you care about. And Father, that you would help us just the same that you did for us, God. Help us to sacrifice for the benefit of others to know Christ. And God, we do pray that you would give us courage. Father, we pray that you would give us boldness. And Father, we pray that you would uh, just make very clear to us open doors of opportunity. And Father, help us to be faithful in walking through those doors. Father, help us to be faithful to the gospel. Help us to not only know you and engage in the fundamentals that that uh, pastor was talking about earlier but father in so doing that we would grow in our love and affections for christ and father that that would stir us to share jesus with others that they too may glorify you father you deserve glory and so father help us to live for your glory in jesus name Amen.